I'm cracking open a V8 real early into this one because this episode, <laughs> this episode, ooh, that was a good, that was a good sound. I like that. A good sound for a good episode. Yes, I, this episode was very good. I learned some things that I wish I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Would have been nice if they kept that to themselves, but <laughs> alas, here we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair. I uh, don't approve of. I. I just don't like. Let's just let's just start <laughs> going through this episode. Actually, I need to intro this show, but there's just a lot going on here that I don't love. It's not that it's a bad episode, it's just things happen and you're like, did, did you have to write it this way? You couldn't have done something else? Nope. And they just like completely, okay, now we'll talk about it. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to After Bites of Vampire Diaries Fancast. Only 10 years too late. <sighs> Y'all. Y'all. <laughs> Y'all. This episode this week. I wish they would have kept this one to themselves. Yeah. I wish, I wish they would have kept this one to themselves. I did not need to know all the information that was revealed in this episode. I would have been fine without any of that knowledge. Like, <laughs> just like wipe my brain of certain <laughs> things, certain fun facts from the show. I. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Afterbite, we are talking about episode 417, Because the Night. And I really like. 60% of this episode. Yep. 60%. And it's a solid 60%. You're like, okay, yeah. Fucking love this 60% of this episode. Actually, I love 80% of this episode. I, I love most of this episode, except for... I love most of it. One specific <laughs> thing. <laughs> There's one specific sequence of events I could have gone my whole life without knowing, and I would have been like, yeah, sick, love this. <laughs> just like why so the netflix description for this episode is realizing that elena needs some time away from mystic falls damon takes her to new york city where he lived and partied hard in the 1970s so this is a flashback episode usually we love but, those but it's not like a good flashback episode because mm. Damon still wears the same leather jacket he wore in the 70s. Like, they don't... <laughs> <laughs> like, the fun flashback episodes are the ones that are like, they're in some wonky new outfit. But this is just Damon is in a slightly more outdated leather jacket. It's like, the other flashback episodes have very period piece, like, time to it. Where it's, like, very clear this is, like happening in like i don't know the uh, I, I can't think of an era right now but you know like a certain era in american history or like even just like back then in the old olden colonial times right but this 
this did not feel like I was flashing back really to anything. As someone who lives in New York, <laughs> yeah, y'all could have done so much more to <laughs> highlight that this was the seventies. Like, come on. It's uh, so. I felt so lazy. Yeah, it did feel it did feel lazy. Damon was being a shithead in 1977, which is how this episode begins. Yeah. So it again, it doesn't feel like a flashback because 70s fashion, if you do it right, it still kind of looks. It looks fine. like the 70s. Like, like I'm looking up pictures of like 70s New York fashion, and like people were at least wearing like wide leg bell bottoms colorful shirts like but these two people that we meet in this flashback are just wearing like jackets it's like come on it's boring it's boring 70s fashion so um a man and a woman are walking uh walking home and they find a man who's just like on laying on the ground on the sidewalk uh turns out surprise of all surprises it's damon and um the only way that I knew this was a flashback was the guy, the guy's like, are you that serial killer? The son of Sam? And I'm like, hold up, wait, is the son <laughs> of Sam back in 2010? And I was like, no, it's just the 19, 19- it's the 1970s. And then they did like a New York 1977. You're like, okay, yeah, it's the 70s now. <laughs> That's the only way in which I knew it was the 70s. Like, the fact that they had to do that shows to me that they did not do enough with set design or costume design for this episode. Yeah. Do you think they wasted all of their budget on, like, really expensive SFX and then we're like, oh, now we can't afford to do this cool flashback piece the way we want it to? It's just... Like, if you're gonna start off an episode with a flashback, make it fucking noticeable that it is a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, but Damon and Elena are in New York City, baby, and Elena dyes her hair, gets a cute haircut. She's <laughs> living her best life. And honestly, I love this for her. Oh, what did that? This what her. did that? Oh, wait, that's I know where that reminds me of. It reminds me of um, the 100. I think they had a season where the main character Clark had like also had like a red streak in their hair and they're like this is <laughs> the epitome of going bad I guess like dyeing your hair a little bit. I love it too because it's like <laughs> because the bad version of Elena Catherine already exists. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like they already have her going bad. So they were like, fuck, well, we need some way to differentiate Elena going bad and Catherine going bad. So Elena's going to have a pink streak in her hair. <laughs> it's so funny. You're like, that's it. That's all we'll do. <laughs> it okay. Feels, it feels very, um, oh, I feel like we discussed this before, like how they like differentiate between the two, like in the past season. I don't remember, but it was also something that was like, so- oh, wait, it was that Elena was- had really straight hair. And Catherine yeah. had curly hair. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was it. And so, like, they... They they continued to do this. <laughs> this is how they do it. 
I love that The Vampire Diaries is such a hair-based character growth show. Yeah. Because they don't do it in any, like, fun ways. Like, never once does a man have a breakdown and just, like, shave his head. It's always, like, the girls getting, like, <laughs> by bobs and, like, dying streaks of their hair, and that's it. <laughs> so, uh, Caroline is cleaning up after the party back in Mystic Falls because, hey, do you remember that they threw a big fucking party in Mystic Falls? Oh, right, 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 right. And yeah. so Caroline's cleaning up from that and just downing alcohol like it's, there's no tomorrow, which is how you know she's really down bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she runs into Klaus. So Klaus and Caroline and Stefan are teaming up this episode. They are our little trio. Wonder twin trio. (laughs) Um, And it's like, I actually do like this dynamic. Me too. Because it's really like Caroline's fucking pissed off. Yeah. And as is her right. And Stefan's just like, can we please just, like, get the work done on this group project we have to do? <laughs> and Klaus is just being Klaus. And you're like, ah, yes, you're going to have a spinoff soon, aren't you, son? <laughs> it's very good. It also feels like um, it's interesting because, you know, you know, Caroline and, and Stefan do have, like, this chemistry together. And then Klaus and Caroline have whatever they have going on. I'm not a fan of. But... Uh, feels very like, and I don't know why Stefan's always like. I'm just wondering why Stefan is always involved in like these love triangles. You know what I mean? <laughs> this isn't even a love triangle. This is just the most confusing queer friend group I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know. Like it's it. just, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is also another episode that sort of like acts sort of like a recap for us yes because professor creepy is back and he's talking with bonnie except he's really silas and and bonnie knows that he's really silas and he recaps everything for us so that we remember the reason that bonnie wants to break down the other side because of jeremy yeah so you know i love when they break it down easy for me so that I know exactly. It's a really nice little on. recap. Yeah. It's, because I, we're getting into the very end of this season. We're getting into like the last six episodes. So like shit needs to happen here soon. But they're just like, hey, remember that the other side is a thing and we want to fucking destroy it. So I was also enjoy. Su- I was so surprised that Bonnie knew that he was Silas. Because I mean, obviously we, we learned via this conversation he's telling her this so that she trusts him or whatever. But mm-hmm. Um, I was so surprised because if you remember at the last end of like two episodes ago, I think he mm-hmm. like asks to come in, but there's like no like understanding that he is Silas, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I thought they don't. He, I thought he was gonna keep that from her for a little bit while, but no, they just cut straight to the chase, and we're like, no, Bonnie also knows this is Silas. They're like, this is our bad guy, and he knows he's a bad guy, and Bonnie knows that she's helping a bad guy. Yeah. So, that's what we have in store for us. Yeah, but because this episode is 417, this season is only 23 episodes long. We're getting down to the last, like, six episodes after this. So, like, this is the end game, Archie. (laughs) 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 So, 
Bonnie's goal this week is to commit murders. Unfortunately. Just know that. Bonnie needs to do some murders. <laughs> Bonnie needs to do some murders so that the end game plot can happen. So <laughs> there's that. So basically, Stefan and Professor Creepy both kind of like, they cut back and forth to like, give us this exposition of recapping that Silas is trying to do his third massacre because he needs all of the power of the expression triangle to like, take the cure, bring down the other side, and then kill himself so he can go and live with his true love. Right. It's messy. Very. It's so messy. Which, which in a way, I... I don't understand why he wants to kill himself. Because... He just wants to fucking stop living. Because, boy, howdy, is he tired of living without <laughs> his true love? No, he but, also, like, I don't think he necessarily wants to kill himself. I think he just wants to bring down the other side so he has the option eventually. That's what I'm saying. Because, like, if the other side is brought down, wouldn't all of them just be existing at the same time? And therefore, no one could really, like, quote-unquote, like, die like oh, so just... technically he would do technically then I guess his motivation is more like doing this to bring his love back. Right. Because like there like he, there's no need to kill himself once the other side is brought down. He could just go see his love, you know? Yeah. 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 So that's we're you know what? We're figuring this out as we go along. <laughs> I know we've done 61 odd episodes of this podcast but we're still just figuring it out as we go along we're like the rest of y'all okay we're just trying to piece the plot together we don't know what's going on either so (laughs) (laughs) um apparently the guy that they that damon killed last episode used to be a guy who would get vampires new identities. So in the 70s, Damon was helping him by trading in people's IDs for blood. uh, And we learned that he runs into Lexi. Which I was so happy to see Lexi, you know? This is her one episode of the season and she has done so dirty. (laughs) So fucking dirty. Is this the last time we see her, by the way? No, I think we still keep, like, once a season. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I think we this, keep, because we keep the, at it, honestly. If this was the last time I saw her ever on this show, I would be so pissed, okay? I'd be like, how dare you do her like this? <laughs> yeah, we keep we keep with the once a season for her, um, which is super fun. I feel like every time we see Lexi, we learn something new about vampires and humanity in some new way that 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 like interaction works. Mm -hmm. So I like her in this episode for what they're like trying. I get what they're trying to do, but goddamn, uh, it's just cruel. Honestly, like we'll get to it it later. It goes. I don't know what they were trying to do to, like, make, uh, like, I don't know what they were trying to do with, like, make it seem like Damon always had emotions and he's never really had his humanity off. But then, like, he's just a dick. And so they're like, what if he was just our bad boy? No, but (laughs) but honestly, it also feels so cruel that they did this to her because of the fact that Damon killed her. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, the main cruel they, like, part about it. They, like, try give him some motivation for murdering her, and you're like, no, hold up, what? <laughs> like, 
so let's just get into it because um Lexi, this episode in the flashbacks, her job is to like try and get Damon to switch his humanity back on. Yeah. Now remember, they are still talking about it like a distinct on-off switch. It's not a dimmer switch, it's a distinct on-off. That's how they're talking about it in the 70s and at this point in the story. Yeah. I think so I think they like go to more of a dimmer like later on in this episode, like at the very end. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, That's why right- I mention it. Yeah. Because, uh, wow. Rebecca finds Damon and Elena in New York. And I love that they've just set us up with, like, these two little messy friend groups. Yeah. (laughs) In different ways. Yeah. Because this one has, like, some real, like, girl power shit of, like, Rebecca and Elena teaming up later. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, bitch, yes. And then you remember that Damon's there and you're like, oh, damn. And then he's no longer there and you're like, yeah, bitch, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's, like, there's an, again, there's an interesting dynamic between Rebecca and Elena, you know? Yeah, I... It's, I like their dynamic this week. And it's very different from the dynamic they had when Elena was, like, being annoying about everything and, like, you know, stabbing her in the back twice. So, very different dynamic. Yeah, it's... It feels more equal footing, honestly. Like, yeah, in the past... They have more fun this episode. In the past, it was like they were two rival high school mean girls. Mm-hmm. You know, fighting each other because they can. Um, and now it feels like they are just... Too, they're, they're like, mean girls. In the past, they were, like, mean girls, bef- like, uh, after. Or, like, near, like you know, once the climax and they started fighting. But now they're, like, um, mean girls before that climax hit, And they were, like, getting along, if that makes sense. Yeah, they they are fun, this episode. Yeah, I love them. Basically, Elena plans to find the cure first so that she can destroy it so that Stefan and Damon won't, like, force it down her throat. Um, which, yeah, girl. Yeah. Like, I love how she talks about them. She's like, they're like, a, was it a dog with a bone? Yeah, and, like, I like it because it shows that Elena's really cognizant of the fact that she is no longer, like, to them in this moment. She's no longer, like, a person. She's just a task to complete. Yeah. And so I like that this episode, she's like, fuck it. I don't want to do that. Like, Damon thinks he's playing me or whatever by trying to find whoever. And, like, fuck it, you know? It's just so, yeah. It's very good. It's very good, this episode. Why does it feel like Elena has so much more urgency and, like, agency in her own story when she doesn't have a boyfriend? Also when her humanity is off. When her humanity is off, she has so much more agency in her own story. She, like, gets shit done. She and she causes like, problems on purpose, yeah, but, like, she gets shit done. It's really, really weird how, like, this, like tendency like for emotion especially for like women is turned into like a weakness within this show like even even with like elena talking to rebecca 
and saying like, oh, you're full of like insecure. Later on, she's like, oh, you're full of insecurities and neuroses. And like, I don't need, I don't want to deal with that. I need to like just get things done. So maybe I don't need your help after all. And like, this, these writers really just see anything tied to emotion as bad. And Elena was like the most emotional person, like ever like as a human but also as a vampire for for like a little bit you know mm-hmm. yeah no it's i think it's a indicative of how of how tvd doesn't want to examine like emotions i don't know why they just like hate women so goddamn yeah. bad, but they do <laughs> like, <laughs> i'm sorry to be the one to say it but like they fucking do they hate women so goddamn bad they like hate so many things tied to like femininity it's crazy yeah they really view everything tied to femininity as like a weakness yikes which is so yikes so fucking yikes dude so fucking yikes i'm thinking about now um because I haven't watched the original, so I don't know how they handle it there. But, like, in Legacies, I'm thinking about how, like, there's, like, um, with, like, Lizzie, like, anything she does emotional, bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's very similar for, like, Josie, especially when she had that little bad moment. But, like, I feel like at least they... But they have... I think Hope counters that in a way. And what I like about... What I'll say to that is, like, they... That's what I'm looking for here. They at least, like, let the women be the bad guys. Yeah. Like, they let Josie have her moment. And they, like, treated it with, like, the respect and, like, the terror that it deserved. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a weird thing to say. But, like, yeah, no, they, like... They were scared because she was a really good fucking bad guy for a yeah. little bit. She had a lot of power. Yeah. And, like, they actually, like, like they respected it. Yeah. Even if it was, like, even if it was bad, obviously, because she was Breaking Bad, very, like, Dark Willow Tees. But, like, she was Breaking Bad and they were like, oh, fuck, she's Breaking Bad. With, like, right. this, Elena's, like, Breaking Bad and they're like, we're going to turn her into a human again and then she'll be good. And you're like, wait, <laughs> no, <laughs> wait. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they at least give it, like, the space and the respect it deserves in Legacies. And respect is going a little far when how they deal with, like, Lizzie's mental health issues. But, like, Hope gives it the respect it deserves. Yeah, I think with Hope, something that's different about her is that, at least in in Legacies, is that um, her lack of an inability to open up to people and, like, be... um, like vulnerable vulnerable is not seen as like some good thing it is seen as like a weakness of hers that she kind of has to struggle with and and learn to deal with and i think i think they do change their tune a little bit in the originals because um klaus is very emotional Mm -hmm. and like i think What's I'm looking for? I think they give emotions a lot more center stage in the originals, which is why I just think it's a very good show. Mm. Um, and they obviously have, I think, more powerful women characters on the originals. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, what I like about it is like they, 
That's what I'm looking for. Like, Elijah always is so, like, perfectly groomed and in a suit and so, like, put together, which is typically, like, a very feminine thing to always look perfect and, like, put together. Mm -hmm. And everybody, like, admits that. And Klaus is very, like, emotional and lashes out because of his anger and because of whatever. And that's always, like, emotions are tend to be, like, billed as a woman, as, like, a feminine thing. Mm -hmm. So I think they give it a lot more space in the originals because they assign the feminine traits to men sometimes yeah. not to be like projecting but they do like elijah's like well-groomedness is like a thing that people bully him for and he's always like fuck you i'm a powerful original vampire right <laughs> so like they i think in the originals they start to give these more air quotes feminine traits a little more like room to breathe mm. which is nice nice so where were we we're talking about Elena's plan to find the cure. Yes. Yeah, so Elena is planning. Elena wants to find the cure first. She she wants it. She knows that Damon is playing her by coming to New York. And so she's going to play him right back. And honestly, love that for her. I love when she schemes. I love when she schemes. Yeah. It's really good to finally see her, like, do whatever she wants and try to use, like, I guess what I would say is, like, the guys have always been kind of, like, very overprotective of her. So, like, she's using that against them this time around, which is nice. Yeah. The last time, what was the last time Elena schemed? Was it with, when she was with Elijah? That's what I was going to say. When, when she was I think with it Elijah. was when she was with Elijah. Yeah, that was, like, two uh, seasons So, what ago. we're learning is that Elena schemes with an original really fucking well. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that for her. So, um, we learned that in order to break the other side, Bonnie has to kill 12 witches, uh, and Professor Shane, or Silas, wants her to use, like, her dad to do it. Like, he'll summon some witches to get her, quote-unquote, help from for her problems, and then, um, they will murder them. Yeah, the plan is that they're gonna have them all, li- all the witches link up. Which means, you know, they're all, like, kind of connected in some way. And mm-hmm. then it only takes, like, one of them dying for all of them to die. Um, yeah. When I heard this plan, it kind of broke me a little, honestly. Because it was kind of weird the way that Bonnie was so willing to kill 12 witches. Like, it's, I, I think it kind of hurt a little because... You know, she's a witch, and, like, in the past, when, like, bad things... Like, I'm thinking about season one Bonnie, who, like, was discovering her, like, becoming a witch and kind of being wary of vampires, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she's also wary of, like, most supernatural beings, you know? So when you're a witch, you kind of really do hold on to, like, other witches, that is, mm-hmm. like, a huge part of being a witch, at least in this show, you know? Yeah, it's very community-based, if if it can be. So, like, her being so okay with just killing 12 of them was so appalling to me, because that just seems so against the nature of what a witch would be okay with. But then again, she's, like, kind of under the control of Silas, and we and we kind of do see that later on in the episode. 
Yeah, I think it makes more sense once you get to the end and you realize that she has been so thoroughly under the control of Silas, which we'll yeah. get to because it broke my heart. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, this definitely feels almost like out of character for Bonnie. But then you learn that it's kind of meant to be. Um, so, yeah. It's really interesting, Yikes. though, because when you learn that she is under the control of Silas, you wonder, like, how much... Because Silas was, like, busy, like, was controlling her, but also convincing her to yeah. do it. So, like, it's kind of, like, how much control does Silas really have, like, over people? Like, it's, it's like, really interesting and weird. It's, yeah, it, it's interesting. I don't, there's a lot we could... There's a lot we could go into here, but we'll do it at the very end. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll do it at the very end, because there's a lot that we can get into here with that. Um, anyway, back in New York, the the gang's at the bar, and it like flashes back and forth between present day and the 70s um, with Damon, Elena, Rebecca, and then in the flashback, uh, Lexi, all like feeding the again whenever people are sharing feeding but especially it's when, always so sexual it's so like there's so many queer undertones in the scene yeah where it's like yeah. is this homoerotic to anyone else uh, <laughs> does anybody else feel like a little weird about this one because i feel a little weird about this one but also can tbd stop choosing women as their victims for these specific scenes they really creep me out yeah yeah <laughs> it's so yeah um but elena sees damon leave the barn going to a hidden room which is uh like a like his pack rat friend it, this is like workshop basically of getting people new identities so um A whole coven is coming to try and rescue Bonnie from expression. That's what made it even hurt even more. The it fact was a whole it coven. was a, hum- a whole coven. Like, oh my and god. And it was 12 witches who were just trying to help. Like, this is the worst. <laughs> I hate it here. I hate it here so goddamn much. I hate it here so goddamn much. It's so, <laughs> it's just so, like, the witch is like, Bonnie's like, I don't think you'll be powerful enough to do this alone. And then the witch is like, and that's why I brought 11 of my closest friends. And you're like, <laughs> you're oh, like, shit. Like, oh, fuck. You're like, no. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like, okay, fine. I'm feeling fine about this one. Like, like no, she didn't bring anyone witch, else. Fine. It's fine. Nope. And then she's like, I brought 11 of my closest friends. Like, she won an all-expense-paid getaway from fucking Oprah or some shit. Like, look under your seat. You'll find a one-way ticket to hell for you and 11 of your closest with friends. Like, what the fuck? Oh, God. Rips in that coven, you know? Like, they were only trying to do their best. They were just trying to fucking help. 
God. Imagine if there was one extra person in that coven. They were like, fuck, now we can't kill anybody. What's the point then? Wait, does it have to be exactly 12 people? I think so. Oh. Did not know that. I thought if you did more, it would be fine. No, it's been 12 every time. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I guess I was under the impression that it was like at least 12, not up to like, well, not exactly. No, it's it's always so incredibly specific for no reason. It has (laughs) to be 12. (laughs) It has to be. If more than 12 shows up, I bet Bonnie would have been like, actually, I don't think it'll be that hard. Um, maybe only 11 of you need to stay. And, like, one of you can go back and, like, just, like, spend a day of rest, you know? Like, like, go have some fun without your other witches. And maybe they'll be back. Maybe they won't. Who knows? It's just, yeah, no, it has to be incredibly specific because it's TVD. So, (laughs) therefore, uh, it has to be 12. So, um... Elena's not very girl boss this episode. No. Except she is, but she also does like tear down Rebecca, and you're like, okay, that's not very girl boss of you, Queen. Yeah, I thought we were dealing with the girl boss over here. Like, what was the whole like couple of episodes ago for if you were gonna go and like bring down other women? Come on, Elena. Come on, Elena. You're better than this, Queen. Like Women don't bring down other women, even if they do something horribly wrong. That's not how a girl boss operates. They cut back and forth between New York and Mystic Falls um, a lot. So let's just talk about just the Mystic Falls side of things, and then we'll talk about just the New York side of things, because that's confusing. Yeah. Um, because New York also has a flashback, so I don't want to, like, really confuse people. So let's just talk about the Mystic Falls stuff here until the end of the episode, and then we'll go back to New York. So just know that this is all being intercut with New York stuff that we'll talk about in a bit. Which makes it all hurt more because the New York stuff kind of sucks major ass, and this stuff fucking slaps. Yeah. So you're like, damn, now I'm upset. (laughs) Now I'm sad about this one. Uh, so, in Mystic Falls, Bonnie is being, uh, like, expelled of expression. She's being exercised, yeah. Uh, and, um, it's a very hardcore scene. Yeah. She's going through a lot of pain. She is. It's a very... They don't hold back on this one. This one feels very like season two of TVD. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, this feels very season two of TVD. This feels very much like... um. You know what I was going to say? It felt very much like that time that Klaus did the uh, the ritual and Aunt Jenna died and Bonnie came and was like fucking oh, shit up. It felt very much yeah. like that. I was going to say the vibes were also similar to when they had that ghost. They like had that little, um, what's it called? When you summon a ghost, what is that called? It starts with an S. Seance? Yes. The seance, seance in season one? Yeah. Where they summoned Emily Bennett? Yeah. I was going to say it kind of had this like a, uh, 
At least what Bonnie was going through. Because there was like a lot of screaming involved in that too. <laughs> there was a lot of screaming involved here. <laughs> I was like, okay, girl, are you good? <laughs> the answer is no, she was not good. So um, she's going through that. And Stefan, Klaus, and Caroline have... There are two places that this massacre could occur to uh, make a expression triangle, so they agree to divide and conquer. Stefan goes to one, and then Klaus and Caroline go to the other. Uh, Klaus and Caroline have, like, some really, like, dramatic conversations about how, like, he's a bad person, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. End of sentence. And she's like, no, fuck you, you are a bad person. Um, and I like that this... I like that this comes right before we spin off to the originals. Mm. And let me explain why. Because this is a pretty down and out moment for Klaus. <laughs> this is the first time in a while somebody's been just like, no, fuck you, you're a bad person, period. I know you like me and everything, but you are a bad person. So, fuck you. I like that this comes just a few episodes before the back door into the originals. I... I, I just I do I just do like this. Even though so many people who ship Claroline are like they're star crossed and meant to be. I don't see that, but I do see this as a very good jumping off point for Klaus's character growth in the originals. I think Caroline in a lot of ways it is the like jumping off point for any type of growth Klaus goes to through. But I don't At think- least in T V D. Yeah, in T V D. But I don't think that that means that they are meant to be for each other. You know? Like, you can be very, um, like, for, like, a very important part of somebody's life and, like, very instrumental in them becoming a better person and not be a romantic interest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Um, I, again, like we've said previously, I don't like them as romantic, but I do like them in this moment because it feels like the show has stopped playing them as romantic, Yeah, but Klaus hasn't gotten the memo yet, but Caroline did, and so she's like, fuck you. I like this moment because you can see Klaus wants, but like, he's fucked up. Right. <laughs> and he's yeah. told that he's fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have so much to say about Klaus's character growth in the originals. I truly will be, like, writing essays every week. It's gonna be so <laughs> fucking good. So, <laughs> uh, what's next? So, because Klaus and Caroline reach the part of the forest where they're like, well, this is where the other where the expression triangle would be completed if it was on this side, so I guess it's the other side. Um, Klaus also has, like, a fun moment where he's like, yeah, my good friend Magellan taught me how to read maps. Which, I love that they're just like, by the way, I've lived forever. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, in case you forgot, I've lived for a very long time. (laughs) I, I just love that because it's... Nice tidbit, you know? Like, oh yeah, and also my friend was I was friends with Magellan. 
you know, very in a passing way. It's a very like subtle flex. Yeah. <laughs> but I also love it because Klaus, the original sometimes do not feel like they've lived for thousands of years. I think Elijah is the only one of the originals who, while we see him in TVD, is the one who reads like he's lived for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Klaus doesn't often read, especially in TVD, like he's lived for thousands of years. I think it's nice that uh, you get like these little moments of like, by the way, hey, remember? <laughs> hey, remember? This guy's a thousand years old. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know? Yeah. Caroline and Klaus speed to the other side where uh, Stefan has witnessed that all of the witches have linked together and are trying to release Bonnie from expression. Um, But Bonnie's hold on, or the, the hold that expression has on Bonnie is too strong, so they're going to have to kill her. Um, yikes. Yikes. I think it's mainly nice. because S- Silas is um has Silas been in control of her for a while. Yeah. yeah. So Caroline steps in to stop them. And she doesn't realize that they're all linked together, so she kills the one witch who's performing the spell. And then one by one, all of the other witches drop. Which is a cool scene. This scene is much cooler than it has any right to be. Because (laughs) they just, like, drop one by one behind while the camera spins around Caroline. It's just very good. Um, But, unfortunately, they... That means that they have unwittingly completed the expression triangle. Unfortunately. So, we're going to have to deal with the consequences of our actions next time. (laughs) Um, At that point, we're going to head back to New York. So, um, just remember, all of that that we talked about there is all happening in concurrence with uh, what we're about to talk about. So... One of your notes here says, Jordan, that Damon and Lexi do a lot of stuff that I do not approve of. And I'm with you. Yeah. You sound a little bit like a disappointed parent. I literally couldn't even write it down. I was like, no way am I writing this down. I will just phrase it in this way. It's... So basically... Lexi is trying to get Damon to turn his humanity back on in the 70s by getting him to talk about Catherine a lot. So they've been doing this apparently for like months, right? Um, And so they're trying to use love to turn humanity back on. Damon, however, manipulates her into thinking that actually he's in love with her and then they boink. And... I've never felt more disrespected in my entire life. They boink, so they end up, like, on the roof, apparently. Um, And they end up on the roof, and as the sun rises, Damon has stolen Lexi's daylight ring, 
and leaves her locked up on the roof to basically burn alive her cower and shadow for the whole day. Evil. Evil. For, like, no reason. I do want to underscore this, is that, like, he doesn't have a reason to do this other than somebody wants to give a shit about him, so he absolutely cannot let that stand. Like, they don't explain his reasoning for this because he doesn't have one. He's just like, oh, you're so annoying, so now I will manipulate you and then leave you up here on the roof for the entire day. Goodbye. What? I don't know what they were trying to, like, play with this, but, like... They don't give him, as so often, ever since season one, they're trying to make Damon into this anti-hero, but, like, he's not a hero. No. He doesn't do good things. He just does bad things. He's just anti. Like, and... This hurts me so much more because we all know that he ended up killing Lexi in the first season. Like, she comes to visit, and he kills her. And, like, so knowing that already happened, why would you then go into the past and insert a scene where they have sexual relations with one another? Don't like, even say it like that. They just boink. Don't even, don't even give it the respect it deserves. They just boink, and it's gross. Like, it felt, it, that's such a bad move, writing move. Like that. So they. Damon tries to like explain it. The fact that he murders her. He's like, yeah, well, you know, maybe hatred was the first emotion that I felt back since my humanity turned was turning back on. Maybe hatred was just the one that I had. And because Elena rightly points out, she's like, you don't do that to somebody unless you hate them. And hate is an emotion. So checkmate, angsty man. And he's like, yeah, sure. Well, maybe hatred was the first one that I felt. And. Number one, this introduces the weird concept that maybe humanity is like a dimmer switch, which they haven't announced thus far. But like, I guess that's how this is working now. It's the Wild West, baby. Do what you want. (laughs) Um, But the other thing is like, then he like tries to play it. He's like, when I saw her in Mystic Falls, I was just overcome with like grief and had to kill her. Does that make sense? That's like effectively what he says. That's effectively what he says. Me. He was like, I was overcome with guilt, and I killed her so I wouldn't have to see her again. Um, what? What is his exact line? One second, I'm looking up the transcript for this, because, like, what is this exact line? Uh, So Elena's like, okay, so you pretended to have feelings for her just to get her off your back, and Damon's like, I was willing to do whatever it took. Sound familiar. And Lena's like, oh, man, did I hurt your feelings? Uh, and Damon's like, no, not my feelings. I'm looking out for you because one day you will flip that switch back on and all the bad stuff you did is going to come rushing back and it's going to suck. And Lena's like, so you felt bad for Lexi. And Damon says the phrase, she became a walking, talking reminder of all the awful things I'd done. And I managed to avoid her for decades. And then she shows up, just shows up in Mystic Falls to wish my baby bro a happy birthday. And boom. Rush of memories and rush of guilt. Elena asks, so you kill her? Damon replies, out of sight, out of mind. Every day that you're like this is one more thing that might come, that you can't take back. Like, at what point, at what point 
at what point are we going to say enough? Enough of this BS retconning, right? Enough. Because when Damon killed Lexi, he still continued to do bad things, like really bad things for at least one or two seasons. And it just, what's the word I'm looking for here? Everything that they've done since the reveal that Damon met Elena first, that that awful reveal at the fucking, what was it, tail end of season three? I think so, yeah. Um, ever, Everything they've done since then, if I was a fan of Damon, I would be pissed. Yeah. Because they've been retconning his anti-hero bullshit. So, like, season one, Damon, he was insufferable and a rapist and... A whole host of other bad things. But, like, his character served a purpose. But then, with what they keep continuing to do of undermining everything that he did, they're like, well, now we've made his purpose nothing. (laughs) We've just destroyed his fucking purpose. So now, they're like, oh, so he did bad things because he was a bad person. They're like, no, he did bad things because he was sad. And I can't fucking take this anymore. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Vampire. I know. Di- oh, go ahead. I know it's stupid to get pissed off about a show that aired in 2013. I know, but like, holy shit, you guys! Like this shit. The the cultural phenomenon of the Vampire Diaries had consequences, <laughs> and like every day we need to reckon with these because no, it's shit like this. This is a true consequence of the Vampire Diaries. The creation of the, oh, I'm a bad boy and I do bad things, but you should still love me for some reason. That definitely is because of the Vampire Diaries. That trope exists because of the Vampire Diaries, and it's one of the worst ones, alright? Because I, I hate those types of characters. They just do and it's usually men they just do bad shit and then we're expected to love them anyways for some reason what but also like damon as a character like them like undermining everything he's ever done since season one is not a form of redemption it does not make me feel yeah. sorry for him. In fact, uh-huh. it makes me it makes me angrier that he exists because it's clear that you guys. I don't know if you guys had a plan for this character, but it's clear you guys are trying to change that. You're trying to change what actually happened, and I will not allow it. I will not make you forget the shitty stuff that Damon has done and has yet to apologize for. Every single time he does something bad. There is no apology given. It's always, oh, like, whatever. Or, oh, like, I'm kind of sorry, but not really. Like, just if you're going to make him that way, own up to your shit. And the thing is, it's like, it's not like The Vampire Diaries was the first show to have the bad boy with a quote-unquote heart of gold, right? Yeah. Uh, YA books have been doing it forever. Right. And yeah, YA yeah, media yeah. has been doing it yeah. forever. But I think TVD, in my memory at least. Now granted, I'm 22 at the time <laughs> of recording this, right? Uh, I was 12 when like TVD started to come out, right? Right. TVD really made it profitable to have the bad boy. To like have... They made it so profitable. And they made it... They gave him such a good, like a quote unquote redemption arc that wasn't a redemption arc. As someone who vividly remembers like watching like 
there's a lot of TV in 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 when I was around that age as well, right? I like remember like you know shows like Pretty Little Liars or um I don't know like Twisted was on at the time like just very old freeform shows. I didn't watch any of the CW shows, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I would see a lot of people talking about it on Tumblr at that time. And they both, like, especially as someone who did not watch The Vampire Diaries but heard about Delena and, like, went to go watch back their content just, like, out of context, they most definitely popularized that shit. Because, like, I don't even think those tropes existed really in other forms of media. Not in, like, a huge, big way, you know? Like... Even in, like, I want to say Pretty Little Liars, they had a character named Caleb, and he was, like, seen as, like, a really mean guy in the beginning, but, like, he, he like, softened up and became, like, a, a very, like, appealing character, right? And, like, that I think that is the difference between what TV did, D did and, like, what YA sometimes do, I feel like. Because even if you have a character that is such, like, an annoyance and you're like, I hate you, you get on my last nerves, there's still moments where you can go back and be like, okay, you were a cool guy here. Or, oh, like, I get I get why, like, someone would find you appealing. There is nothing to me that is appealing at, about Damon at all. If I was 12 or 13 watching it, yeah, they would have gone away with that BS because, like, I was watching Pretty Little Liars and they had that, <laughs> yeah. that stupid, like, teenage r- teacher romance on there that was totally, like, inappropriate. And I was just, like, here for it because I was a child. But, like, yeah. as an adult who made, like, whoever made that media, but also as an adult consuming it now, totally, like, inexcusable. Yeah, I feel like. We don't talk about it enough, but I think TVD is very directly responsible for a lot of consent and age gap issues that we have in media right now because they showed it was profitable and that teenagers didn't care about it. Um, Yeah. But I think in a very direct way, TVD is sort of responsible for this because, again, I have to mention, even if we diss on this show and we're like, this fucking sucks, this show was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Like, this show and a few others saved the CW network, and I think it is, like, we cannot, sure, there's a lot of, like, fun shit that it did, but also, we can't excuse the fact that it is directly responsible for a lot of rape culture ideals that, like, exist. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, Like, yes, media that came before it did that, did this, right? Like, the books came first, sure, but, like... TVD made it incredibly profitable and millions of people watch this every week. Yeah. And it is still on to this day with legacies. Like, the thing is, like, if I was a fan of Damon's character in season one, which, like, I wasn't, but he served a purpose and he had a reason to be in the story, I would be so fucking pissed with this scene because... Later in this very scene, they don't even cut down and, like, back again. Later in this very scene, Elena says, like, Elena's like, okay, so, yeah, like, you had, 
you were spiteful and malicious and borderline evil, which don't give him the borderline queen. Just say evil. <laughs> and you hated her. And you say that you had all your emotions turned off, but all those sound like emotions to me. And Damon's like, yeah, sure, maybe they were. Maybe hatred was the first one I got back. All the more reason to cure you. That way we that way we get we can get the normal Elena back without all the ugly sages in between. And Elena's like, I'm not taking the cure, Damon. And Damon's like, you are. Even if I have to break your neck or tie you up in chains until we find it. I didn't even realize, like, process that he said that. But that's... What the fuck? Folks! Like, what the fuck? Folks! <laughs> like, that's so damaging. I said it in, I think, the very first episode of Afterbite ever. This was a cultural phenomenon. Oh my god. This was part of that vampire boyfriend cultural phenomenon. Yep. And it was a big fucking part of it. Yeah. Because it was a big show with eight seasons on the CW. I don't think it... I, I would have to look up ratings for it. But I'm pretty sure it didn't fall below a... Like, below a one point whatever until the very last seasons. Like... This is a cultural phenomenon. And it was saying that very clearly and explicitly. It's like, it's weird because I didn't even realize the impact of that until we're talking about it right now. But TVD just has so many toxic and abusive relationships that are just normalized, mm -hmm. seen as normal because they're vampires. And I think that's also what really upsets me when people try to justify what Damon does or try to say, oh, he's not as bad as you think he is. Because no, he is. He is that bad. And like, it's the subtle things that really get to you because those types of things you don't notice and they kind of become ingrained in you and it just normalizes that that's okay. And not to say that uh, this show gave people a reason to enjoy like uh like enjoy toxic men in their real lives or like find them okay because i'm not gonna say that i'm not gonna go that far but it does do yeah. something to the culture where like you're like oh yeah no him saying that that's not insane or crazy or anything that's totally normal that's something that damon would say it's fine like that does something to you especially when you're young you know and impressionable yeah it's just and, and like not to fucking rail on TVD because we are still talking about it years after it came out. That's the whole fucking point of this podcast, right? But like, damn, it really did some fucking work in normalizing toxic relationships. Yeah. In the early 2010s. Yeah. Like it did some fucking work. Yeah. It did. I'm fucking pissed. I'm fucking pissed. Anyway, in this scene, uh, Rebecca snaps Elena's neck and they run off. No, so, not Elena's neck. Damon's neck. Or Yeah, Rebecca snaps Damon's neck, thank God, uh, and they run off. So Feels good. Rebecca also does something earlier wait, wait, where wait, she's wait, just wait, like, wait, some wait, we guy have to tries to hit it. on her. And she yes. just, she just like slams him down. She's like, excuse you. Like. <laughs> I love that. I put that down there because I was like, we have to, we have to say that this happens because I, I that was like one of my favorite parts of the episode. <laughs> she just like slams him down to the fucking ground. He like comes like, up to anyway. her and tries to touch her, and then she's like, um, excuse you, and then just slams him down. Like, uh, love you, queen. Love you so much. 
I also love that they try and like intersperse these like incredibly toxic relationship moments with like girl power. <laughs> um, sorry, Queen, you. <laughs> I'm sorry your shoes get muddied like this when you're talking about fucking <laughs> Damon Salvatore. Anyway, Damon and. Damon had found, like, Rebecca, or uh, Catherine's, like, last known addresses, which is just, like, a bunch of P.O. boxes. And he's like, whatever, that's fine. So, um, they, (laughs) I assume Rebecca and Elena steal them while they go off to do their, like, fucking Thelma and Louise bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, they're very queer coded, Thelma and Louise. They're, act. They are very queer coded this in this episode in its entirety. I will say, yeah, they do. They take they like drink from that girl's neck together, and then they're like stealing Damon's car and going on an adventure together. Like, okay, Thelma and Louise, fucking get it, ladies. <laughs> so then we're gonna head back to the very for the very end of this episode. We're gonna head back to uh, Mystic Falls for a little bit because. Uh, now the stage is set for next week's episode where uh, Rebecca and Elena are Thelma and Louising it across the country and the Mystic Falls gang has to deal with the consequences of their actions. Mainly being, Bonnie wakes up in her room with Stefan. Stefan's just like chilling there, like keeping watch on her. And she's like, wait, what happened? Where am I? How did I get here? He's like, oh yeah, you know, I took you here after the witches. You don't remember? And she's like, witches? It's like, what's the last thing that you remember? And uh-huh. she's like, the last thing I remember is we were down in the cave and Jeremy was trying to get the the cure from the cure from Silas. He got it, right? Please tell me he got it. And you realize she- that she has been in deeper than we thought, gang. Oh, God. And she has to learn that Jeremy died all over again. Y'all are so fucking sick for this. I hate you so Y'all. much. Stop torturing oh my, my girl. Stop doing it. <laughs> I cried. A tear left my eyes, okay? <laughs> One single tear made its way down my face. Like... Oh, that is so heartbreaking, especially because, like, not only did Jeremy die, but then Bonnie did things that I don't think Bonnie could forgive herself for. Yeah, that's it. And then, like, you realize that she's been in deeper than you thought. So you're like, how much control did she have over her actions? It, was it felt Silas ever, like, actually there? Like, what was going on? If, if Now that I'm thinking about it, it feels like Silas was like had a whole bunch of control over her. And like the moments where she would question, that was her fighting back a little bit, like her subconscious, but she could not yeah. win. Not against Silas. I mean, the most powerful immortal to ever live. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you top that? <laughs> but you know what? This is making me recognize something that I think annoys me a little bit. Which is that I feel like in the large canon of the Vampire Diaries that we've watched so far, so many problems that they go through are either like caused by Bonnie doing something 
inadvertently or not of her like i guess quote-unquote full control i don't want to say she doesn't have full control because like in season one when she like burned down that place she had full control but she was doing something that she didn't realize would cause more harm later on um and then they have to use bonnie flex tape to then fix it after that she is both the problem and the solution and they there was a really great article um that came back a few weeks ago from that we tweeted from the afterbite account where it was like they just use they like give bonnie powers and take them away as it suits the story she's never consistent uh, and she never gets her happiness and uh yeah (laughs) she's just an object for them to use it's really annoying and concerning yeah she's just a plot device yeah like she's just a plot device (sighs) fucking hate you guys TVD writers, I fucking hate you. I'm sorry. It's true. You get on my last nerves. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. It's just... Damn. Dude. Why? It's just why. From, from me. Why? <laughs> why? Um, downside is Caroline also has to deal with the fact that she killed 12 people to save Bonnie, so... <laughs> Neither of our girls are thriving this week. Nope. The Mystic Falls girls are a little bit down bad. <laughs> we feel for them wholeheartedly. The last thing that happens this episode is that Silas and Klaus meet up. And it's in this moment where you realize that Klaus is not even close to the biggest, the biggest fish in the ocean. Yeah. It's a really good moment to have right before they go into season five, but also before they go into the originals to be like, Klaus isn't the biggest bad guy here. Not by a long shot. Cause when you see him, he is outclassed by Silas. Like Silas has the dagger that can kill an original and Klaus, he does stab Klaus with it. Uh, He doesn't kill him, kill him. He just breaks it off and leaves it inside his back. And you're like, oh. But also, like, Silas is like, I got the dagger by reading your sister's mind. And you're like, uh. (sighs) Yup. It's not going to end well. I don't think so. It's like the, the, like, power discrepancy between... Klaus, who earlier this episode was like, why should I give a shit about Silas? And Silas is just so massive. Yeah. Like, like you were warned. We warned you. <laughs> Cole warned you very specifically not to do this. And yet. Here we are. Here we are. Here we fucking are, gang. God, y'all. Fuck, dude, fuck. Just holy shit. Like, I love the way that this that this scene and that this like pure like acknowledgement of power differential is stuck right here at the very tail end of season four. Mm-hmm. Because we're A about to go into the originals where they have to they have to find a bigger bad than Klaus because Klaus is the good guy now, right? Mm-hmm. And then before the back half of TVD where they have to find a bigger bad now because Klaus is leaving to his own job. <laughs> like, like, you needed to find a bigger bad guy and you got it. 
I just think it's so... Yeah. I love this scene. This is such a good ending scene for this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God. This episode. Some high highs and some low lows, yep. gang. Like I said, I really like about 80% of this episode. It, the other percent is the fucking New York flashbacks and Damon's wildly toxic behavior. Yeah. Jordan, what are you ranking this episode? I think if it were not for Damon and Lexi, the, their entire mm-hmm. sequence and the, that flashback. Yeah. Yeah, this episode would probably be getting like maybe a nine, maybe a ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that happened. Uh huh. It. I don't think it has that huge of an impact on like the way I felt about the episode. But I think I didn't like it. So I'll g- you know what? I'll give it a nine because I think overall the episode was like very very good. I just did not like that interaction. So they'll get a whole point away. They'll get a nine. Okay. Yeah. I. Um, honestly, gonna give this episode an eight. I'm gonna give it an eight. Because that fucking... Some of that fucking stuff, just, like, you can't forgive. (laughs) Yep. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I also hated what they did with Bonnie. (laughs) Yeah, I am sad about what they did with Bonnie, but I like... I just I hate how they continue to make her a plot device. So I'm I'm taking it down another notch. I'll give them an eight point five. Eight point five. Okay, we're taking it down a little bit further now. Yeah, because you know what? Fair. That Bonnie thing really actually does annoy me, and I just got reminded of it at the end of this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to be the one to remind you of it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we sorry uh, we had to. Man, there's a lot. The TV going on here. The, the Vampire Diaries universe is like pretty okay, and then it gets worse when you think about all its like huge flaws. It's like, oh, you guys were okay, and then I'm like, oh, you did this again. Nice, I guess. Um, I have to deal with that. Yeah, it gets worse when you have critical thinking skills and do think about these things deeply. Mm-hmm. Not to say that, like, TVD viewers are, that went around the first time were, like, stupid, but, like, there's not a lot of time to think about, think deeply about shows while they're on air. Mm-hmm. Um, it always, like, there obviously were some people doing it, but, like, this fucking shit, dude. This fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Bro. Fuck. Like, nobody watching it then could have known that... It would become this huge cultural phenomenon. Who's our MVP for this episode? Um, it's hard to find one. Yeah. <laughs> again, again, we have to remember it stands for most valuable player. Not not best good guy, not best bad guy, just most valuable. I'm trying to see who did the most. Um, It's hard because they were split up into different groups, you know? Yeah. I, on one hand, Elena or Rebecca make a strong case. Right. Elena does make a strong case for being just flat out the most valuable this week. 
The other one who makes a strong case for me, for me, and it's a little bit different way than the other guys, but Caroline, because I think a lot of what she says sets the groundwork for Klaus's growth later on. Mm. So I do want to give her credit for that. Because in case you forgot, we are two episodes away or three episodes away from the backdoor pilot. Uh-huh. I so I think Elena could deserve it deserves it because of you know, she sets up the next episode and also um her little haircut moment and her little her, pink streak. Her diabolical like just like not she's like not really given it given any type of like niceties to anyone this episode. She's just I'm here she's, to like do she what has I need a plan. To do. Yeah, she has a plan. The other one who I maybe wanted to bring into contention here, and I know we don't often give villains the the MVP, but Silas. Oh yeah. In the way that Elena sets up the next episode, so does Silas mm, yeah. this week by managing to complete the expression triangle. I'm I'm leaning towards though, I'm leaning with you, I'm leaning towards Elena. Yeah, because I think if we because I think we have given it to like villain type characters. We've given it to Klaus a couple of times. Um I think I would need Silas to do a little bit more menacing. Don't worry. We're coming to that. So Elena with her fucking so, seventh of the season? Yeah, Elena. Sixth of the season. Wait. Two, four, five. Her sixth of the season. And then also Nina Dobrev, the real person, has one. Um, <laughs> in case you forgot. Um, yeah. Holy shit. Next week. Next week, gang. Next week, we are looking at American Gothic. Ooh, I like that name. And honestly, it's a really good episode. I'm going to have to. It's a really good episode. See, I learned about gothics in high school, but I haven't talked about them since then. So I'm going to have to do a little remembrance of what gothics are. Like the the well, main element. Well, this one I think is, is. Are they mean? Do they mean like classic goth, like classical gothics, or like, you know, gothic as in like um, the like cultural time period? Um, they mean gothic in the way, in the very surface level way, like that one painting is oh, American gothic. Okay. They mean it in a very surface level way. Okay, next week. but it's a banger of an episode. I'm excited. That's a good name though, because. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give you this. Catherine's back. Ooh. She's back, baby. It's going to be fun to see how she interacts with the new Elena. Exactly. I'm excited. I'm intrigued. Catherine's back. Also, another one, another one. Elijah's back. (gasps) I missed Elijah. I did too, actually. (laughs) I didn't realize how much I've been missing him until I remember that he comes back. Oh. That's so much fun. I love that. Those two are back next week. Honestly. Good times. Next week's episode I'm very excited for. Me too. Um, It's going to be a banger. Uh, Until then, y'all, you can find us on Twitter at AfterbytePod and, you know, everywhere else on the internet. Who gives a shit? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, please. (laughs) This episode took a lot out of me emotionally. (laughs) 
stay inside, stay safe, and wash your fucking hands. Jesus Christ. It, listen, it's not hard. It's not hard. To wash your hands and wear a fucking mask. You know, like, it's not difficult. Yeah. You not doing it just says to me that you're a fucking moron. (laughs) So. I don't think I have anything to add on. Um, You know, the drill, radicalization, but I'm trying to change what I say at the end of the episode.